Welcome back to Season 2 of Notes from the Road. In this very special episode for Mental Health Awareness Month, I sat down with Andrea Goodrow, who's worked for some of the biggest names in the music industry, including Timberlake and Bieber. Andrea candidly opens up about her own mental health journey, the challenges she's overcome, and how she's found a safe space on the road and in life. I hope you're all able to take something super positive away from this very special episode of Notes from the Road with Andrea Goodrow. Welcome to Notes from the Road. Thank you. I'm so glad you're here. Yeah, thanks for having me. We have a lot to sort of talk about. This is going to be a very sort of special uh, mental health awareness month episode. That'll be May. Mm -hmm. We're not recording this in May. We're recording it much (laughs) earlier, but this is going to be for May. Um, Andrea reached out the other day with just a lot of fantastic thoughts on sort of the world that we both have existed in for about a decade or more and how it correlates to us just as humans and um, processing things and sort of unpacking, unraveling some things as we've both sort of gone into adulthood and Mm -hmm. and in Andrea's case, some, some stuff from teenage years, just kind of things that she's overcome is such a, I know it's not a great way to put it, but overcome in a sense, continuously battled. Uh, but for those, those folks that are listening, um, just tell us a little bit about your touring career, I guess more recently, because Andrea has worked for some very huge artists, names that you definitely should recognize. (laughs) Uh, Um, Yeah. I mean, I started about 15 years ago wanting to get in the music business, started with initially, well, a a summer camp tour called Camplified, um, that brought uh, newly signed artists to camp tours, sort of a genius idea. Um, not a great tour for me, but, you know, a learning tour. And then I sort of progressed through, like, the warp Tour years and the Club Tour years um, and then got involved with more of the arena level and the stadium level bands. So um, I've worked for, I guess, in the last couple years, Justin Timberlake, Justin Bieber, Motley Crue for three years. Um, I was on the Taylor Swift tour for 1989. Um, Rob Thomas recently, who I love. He's a great person. Um, and even was a assistant for David Copperfield which wow. not a lot of people know. I don't. I so. didn't know that one. <laughs> yeah. That's fun. It was a weird one. But so some of the biggest names in music in general and then just touring. Mm-hmm. So uh, Andrea has a lot of experience. She's seen things at a, a very high level and a, a level of standards, you know, especially mm-hmm. for somebody like a Taylor Swift or Timberlake where everything sort of has to be in place. So mm-hmm. for sure. she has very much has her acting shit together in that regard as much as you can yeah (laughs) but um and i've gotten to work with her on some of that just on a local level like hey we're hey friends come work for the day and seeing just the in a case of a bieber that that Mm -hmm. frenetic frantic like every high energy high mom energy Mm -hmm. you know definitely high mom energy (laughs) i feel like the biggest thing i want to know is um in this transition from sort of like young adult life, like we all did Mm -hmm. to now. So you were on the other side of it. You were a big fan of Mm -hmm. our era of kind of pop stars. Where was the, or the light bulb moment or what was like the turning point of like, I'd like to do this. Like not only am I a fan of Mm -hmm. the battery boys in sync, like that level of, of boy band pop group, but like, where did you see the, how did you find the path to it? 
Um, I mean, I, I definitely love the boy bands, um, Z-list boy bands, but more importantly, Backstreet Boys, sorry, NSYNC fans. Um, <laughs> I think it was more so just kind of out of necessity. I mean, I always knew that I loved going to shows and I've always been super driven. Um, but I think it was just out of necessity. I mean, I grew up in New Hampshire. I didn't, my parents worked for Nabisco. I got free cookies, but I never got free concert tickets. Have so. we never talked about this? I don't, I don't that think my dad so. also worked oh, for no Nabisco? <laughs> no way. From me growing up. He, he worked, so there's a, there was a corporate office in Jersey. Mm-hmm. So that's so that's super funny. Awesome. Well, did you eat a lot of cookies as a child? Too many cookies. Yeah, me too. Too many cookies. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think just out of necessity, figuring out a way that um, I mean, it always interests me and seeing people on tour and kind of seeing people on the stage and wondering what they do. Um, I just needed to figure out a way to get involved, and I really didn't have one of those outlets. So, kind of being a super fan led me to um, you know being like we were just talking about off. Uh, off of this is being like a correspondent for Backstreet Boys News and calling into the radio station and, you know, working with the radio station at their local concerts that they've had. Um, and just kind of on a necessity doing all of the different things I could to try to get experience. Sure. And, and then in, eventually. And, eventu- and definitely mm-hmm. in the pre, not internet, but pre yes. social media era. Yeah. So like, I'm sure those radio stations are like, let's get all these, yes. cr- these fan, these big fans. Yes. So like, they're going to help us spread exactly. the word easier than us telling you, mm-hmm. like us old people telling yes. you what to do. Exactly. It was like passing out flyers mm-hmm. and, you know, having like car washes. Um, we started, me and my friends started an online offline magazine, um, where we did the, a print version and we would do contests. And, you know, I remember calling like publicists in high school, my mom's flip phone, um, <laughs> you know, with like, very, it didn't have internet kids. Mm-hmm. Um, you mm-hmm. know, and calling them and representing myself as, you know, somebody that wanted to interview bands. Um, and then they'd call back and say, sure, your interview is granted. We'd start off with um, openers for major acts because we knew that they were more likely to give us interviews. Right. And it sort of kind of spawned into meeting tour managers that way and figuring out, hey, there's like an interest here and maybe I could be a part of this um, and just figuring it out that way. Sort of out of necessity, I found it. Did you feel like even as a teenager, the, the better you represented yourself in a professional way that everybody that's why everybody was would talk to you and speak with you because yeah definitely the frantic fan Mm -hmm. crying screaming freaking Mm -hmm. out like that's never gonna (laughs) no um yeah I mean I definitely and we'll get to it later had anxiety so going up to like a random stranger at a show to ask hey tour manager can I interview the band that you work for Mm -hmm. wasn't easy for me but you know we printed out business cards my mom definitely was a big um I don't know. She always was there to try to be like, do it, go do it. Or, you know, she would even go up, especially when we were younger sure. and give them the business card and say, Hey, my daughters want to interview this band. Can you help them? And we'd always have questions and a tape recorder and a, like a regular camera, no DSLRs then, mm-hmm. um, you know, and we would always just be ready for it, whether it happened or not. So I think, um, you know, that's kind of a bonus of living back then is there was no like instant gratification and internet and things that you could do super fast. So people trusted you. Yeah. Well, and you were, prepared how great is that and also cool of your mom to Mm -hmm. just know how probably how far she could push you she definitely wanted me to be a journalist (laughs) but but she also i think now as we get older and like i observe like kids nieces nephews Mm -hmm. like my godson you're like you you know how far you can push your kids but you also know like if you walk up like mm-hmm. if you, Andrea, walked up to that person, they would probably let you do it. But if me, mom yes. walks up, they're like, yeah. ah, lady, like, uh. mm-hmm. but like if you had had enough like gusto to just mm-hmm. say, hey, this is what we do, me and my friends, mm-hmm. here's an example. We have the ability to do this right now. Is it possible? And, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes people go, wow, you guys are how old? And you really like, okay, yeah, sure. Like, I'll, I'll give you five minutes. Mm-hmm. We'll get you five minutes. And 
I would probably, I think we're in a different era because everybody has their camera, their yes. recorder and their notes in one spot and yeah. their phone in front of them, which, but I think if a kid came up to me, I would maybe try to work harder at mm-hmm. it. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm glad I grew up when I did because that opportunity necessarily wouldn't exist today or at least not be as easy to relate or want to, you know, give somebody a chance because you never really trust it anymore. So and, I'm glad. Okay. So jumping back to first tour mm-hmm. opportunity you said was a summer camp yes. tour yes oh man um and how old are you i that? already said the name of it so i'm hesitant to say any sort of negative stories <laughs> is it still exist <laughs> um i think it's still around or it was a couple years ago um i doubt that the person that you know hired me or was involved in it would even ever listen to this hopefully she's lost my name um <laughs> But yes, so the the cool thing that they did was bring newly signed artists. Um, I don't really think any of them went on to be like huge superstars, but they went to like Sony Records and said, hey, we have this tour. Who are, who do you need to promote? Um, and it's genius because it's a captive audience of a certain age. Yeah, teenagers. Um, yeah, so it's um, yeah, day yeah. camps and overnight camps. And we would mm-hmm. go and we'd set up, um, you know, sponsorship booths and we would, you know, set up the show and we would promote these artists. And kids would be like, you know, thinking it's American Idol and that these are the winners. They would freak out. They'd be screaming over these kids. Um, and it's people that no one's ever heard of. So I thought that that was really cool to be involved in that. Um, it was definitely high stress. Um, some of the situations that I were put in on a first tour, um, like, I guess this would be a good story to tell you. Um, the first day that we slept over in a hotel. So this is the first week of the tour. And how old were you at this point? Um, I was I already graduated college. I must've been 21. So about 21. Um, so the first night we stayed in a hotel, we were all sharing a hotel room, including the person that started the tour. Um, we get a phone call that one of the guys in the band who there was a little bit of an older band on the tour, um, was intoxicated and passed out in the hallway. And they knew that he was with our group. So they needed somebody to come down and get him and see if he was okay and fill up paperwork. And of course the person who, you know, headed the tour was like, you have to do this. And I was like, me, this is my first tour. I don't know this person. I don't even know this person's last name. And so I remember in my pajamas going down to get this dude who was significantly older than me, passed out in the hallway and saying, yes, that's him. Like he must be drunk. It's okay. Going to get his band members and having, you know, them get him back to the room. It was just such a crazy intro to touring. Um, so a lot of, you know, positions that I were put in on that tour, I wouldn't take back, but it was a lot of, um, unique circumstances really given in a camp tour should be really positive and fun. Yeah. And especially Mm -hmm. kid friendly. Yes. Young young people friendly. (laughs) You wouldn't think that that would be a thing that you would experience on that level of touring. Getting thrown in head first. Yes. For sure. So that was a, a good memorable moment now. And then how do we wind our way into like a thing like the Warp mm-hmm. Tour and then beyond? Yeah, I think I definitely owe Kevin Lyman and Forfini and Warp Tour in general for molding a lot of my career. Um, I always wanted to do that tour because that's sort of um, a great um, place to go and interview bands because you'd sign up for different bands, you'd get to interview them. So I started that way, kind of right. becoming familiar with the tour, being from, you know, wanting to interview like Z-list pop bands and, and then going to something like Warp Tour. Um, for me, I was like, wow, there's a whole other, you know, genre of music out there that's accepting of this type of stuff. So that's kind of my first introduction to Warp Tour. And I'm like, how do I get on this? There's a lot of people, mm-hmm. which means there's a lot of positions. So 
I just started going on the internet, you know, looking into any contact information I could find and eventually wound up on like the take action area, which was a nonprofit area. Um, and my boss at the time, this guy Sumner ended up, um, interviewing a couple people and liking my nonprofit experience. And then I got hired and that's kind of how it snowballed into doing warp tour for like, I think seven years. Sure. Well, I mean, once you get out there and you meet some mm-hmm. amazing people and then there's, it opens up yes, a, it a does. big door of opportunities. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there's been a, so many guests already that have had some experience or story yes. on that tour. And I don't want to always jump back to it, mm-hmm. but it's like, it's made a lot of people's careers mm-hmm. that have like gone on to do incredible work. Yes. And I think it, it's just a, it was a space where it's a proving grounds. Mm-hmm. It is. It's 60 days in the summer in the heat and there's a lot of people, mm-hmm. too many people. There is a lot of people or there was. And so if you're, if you're able to survive it, everything mm-hmm. else is kind of gravy from that moment on. I think so. On. And I think it gives people a lot of out of the box thinking because you don't get a lot. I mean, I wasn't there, you know, even earlier in the days where you apparently didn't get anything. Um, you know, I would always hear stories about, you know, you're lucky to have this water that you do. We didn't used to get this, you know, you guys are lucky. Um, but I just feel like the things that you do to adapt to different situations in that type of atmosphere, problem solving, yes, Mm -hmm. problem solving leads Mm -hmm. or makes you a better person as far as touring and adapting. Um, you know, I've toured with some people who just can't think outside of the box. I would rather just get it done fast and come up with unique solutions than to just wait around for things. And I, I definitely owe a lot of that to warp tour. Cool. I mean, I think that's also why you've been able to establish your own Andrea. Mm -hmm. Now her big, job is mostly VIP. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a lot of thinking on the fly sometimes Yes, <laughs> because you're walking into a different yeah. room every day yeah. with the same thing that has to, and it's, it's, I mean, it's like being the production manager walking mm-hmm. into a different venue every day and yep. you're sort of doing the same thing on a smaller scale being like, how am I going to fit this in yes. this room? And more so people dealing with people. Mm-hmm. You can't predict people's emotions or the way that they react to certain situations. So, um, that more so thinking outside of the box and that's a work in progress with me to adapt to the way that different people respond to situations as well so yeah and you're sort of the front lines Mm -hmm. to the artist for sure (laughs) in that case yes um I think I think that's true for sure (laughs) I mean first person they would see if they're coming for some Mm -hmm. kind of VIP or meet and greet experience so it's it's I think it can be the toughest job in terms of just people Mm -hmm. interaction Everybody's got a tough gig on the road. Mm-hmm. I think people's someone's in charge of safety of the show. Someone's in charge of safety of the artist. Somebody's mm-hmm. in charge of the artist, and those are all high stress. But then you're the person that has to go, hi, so-and-so. Yes. Welcome to this thing that I want. You know you paid a lot of money to mm-hmm. be here for with this artist. So my job now is to make sure that everything goes off without a hitch yes. as best as I can. And sometimes, so yeah, sometimes people will see me or my coworker, whoever, um, you know, because they saw us early in the day or they see us, you know, dealing with different security and event managers in the building. We're on the concourse level or we're out in the public. We're not backstage. Mm-hmm. Um, so people see us regardless of if they're involved in VIP and they just always want to come up and either blame us for something, <laughs> they have a problem, right. or they just need answers. And it, it, it's most of the time um, after doors open, something that I don't even, that doesn't even pertain to me that then becomes an issue that I'm trying to help with. So it's a lot of dealing with the public for sure. Um, and then people like event managers will be like, do you know about this? Do you know about guest list? Do you know about this? And so it's facilitating different, um, customer service inquiries throughout the day, essentially. So with those 
thoughts of kind of interacting with people. Mm-hmm. And you, you mentioned it briefly earlier, just your ability to want to go up and talk to mm-hmm. strangers in your early life. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was, it gave you anxiety. Yes. This pod, this right now gives me anxiety to talk about just to be on air and not know what is going to come out of my mouth or the outcome gives me anxiety still as an adult. So well, I hope, I hope we'll, we'll keep it calm. Yes, we will. I mean, we'll it it's my, it's my intern. It's I think my it's a trusting it's space. I think <laughs> honestly, so far the, the feedback of hearing our peers, mm-hmm. I love that this is getting to some people that I don't know or younger people mm-hmm. that have just maybe written a brief thing to say, Hey, this is interesting. I'm, I love to hear these stories, but then hearing from our peers who are our age group, mm-hmm. they're just like, I've known that person also for 10 years and did not yes. know that. It makes me happy to like, we're unearthing things mm-hmm. and anybody that's willing to share. So I yeah, just know I'm very honored yeah, I'm, that you're I'm, willing wanna, to share all this, but I'm an oversharer. So where I wanted to jump to back me. to was like, now that's your job. Mm-hmm. That yes, is your job. Is you job. talk to strangers yes, every I single do. day of mm-hmm. your working life. Mm-hmm. So where let's, let's jump into that, like taking sure. me to teenage you kind mm-hmm. of finding out that there's some type of mental thing going on yes. that you're, you you've been able to figure it out, but how did we get there? Mm-hmm. I'll try to stay on task here. Um, yes. I mean, it's crazy that I do this for a job because, you know, even my mom's like, I never thought that you would deal with the public or even other people for a living. And the fact that I, you know, go and have to interact with all these people to me is just wild. Um, I think it's my own therapy. And if I didn't do it, then I wouldn't talk to anyone. I'd probably never come out of my house. Um, so yeah, just, I guess jumping back, um, to start, not a lot of people know this. I still haven't even, you know, went over this with you really. But, um, when I was a teenager, I suffered from, um, obsessive compulsive disorder, OCD, um, and anxiety. And now I've just got diagnosed with ADHD, which I've apparently had my whole life and didn't know or realize. And we discussed a little bit Mm -hmm. off, off mic about that, where I sort of feel the same. And I Mm -hmm. would never want to try to compare myself to somebody who is really having a Mm -hmm. hard time in life. But thinking back on times of my life and now as an adult where I just have ultimate free time Mm -hmm. and I can't focus. Yes. And it seems like it's just a thing where we were so busy Mm -hmm. as kids. Like I think it sounds like your mom was in, you know, involved in your life and was everybody's Mm -hmm. parents were like getting them to a baseball game or soccer practice or some kind of sporting thing or boy scouts or girl scouts or just whatever extracurriculars. Mm -hmm. And I just felt like I never had time to not be focused. So it went un checked. Yeah. There's so yeah, long. like we were talking about mm-hmm. earlier. Um, there's a different way that people think about ADHD or ADD is the hyperactive side of it. And then mm-hmm. there's a whole nother side or a couple sides, um, which leaves people generally undiagnosed. So, I mean, I'm not a therapist. I'm not a psychiatrist. I can't say, um, people do or don't have this, but just for me, um, recently being diagnosed with ADHD, realizing how that comes back to me as a teenager, it just makes a whole world of sense. So, um, growing up, I got diagnosed through um, a bunch of different um, things that had happened. So ultimately, um, my life through perfection and wanting to be perfect and just obsessions became unmanageable. Um, I ended up overdosing, but at the time, I, I took basically everything that was in the medicine cabinet um, when I was at home. Mm-hmm. And I didn't necessarily go in with the idea I'm going to kill myself. It's just my brain is like a snow globe um, as a part of now ADHD. Um, along with other things that led me to just not want to deal with it. I was like, if I could take all of these, then I can wake up tomorrow and it'll be fine. It was something, um, I guess it was something in me that made me call my best friend when I was essentially having all of the effects of these pills, which ultimately could have killed me. Um, And I'm glad that that happened. Um, Not a lot of people know that this happened. And I think it's important for me to say that because I don't think ultimately 
some people who end up passing away or, you know, committing suicide really think about the effects. Um, so for me, I didn't want to kill myself, or at least in the moment, I wasn't like, I'm killing myself. I said, let me figure out a way to make this stress stop. You want to turn your brain off. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and it was just too much for me. And so luckily my friend called the ambulance or 911. Um, I went and I got my stomach pumped. And then after that, it was figuring out why this happened. Um, my mom didn't understand. She was like, you know, everyone just assumed I was trying to kill myself. Um, you know, and then I went to a psychiatric hospital, which I feel like a lot of people think that that sounds really negative. And in the moment, I probably thought that was really negative, but it's not a place where people are getting, you know, electrocuted anymore. It's more so to just figure out why I did it and create or come up with a diagnosis. Um, so that's where I got diagnosed with OCD and anxiety um, and kind of started my treatment path. Um, mm -hmm. Definitely over the years have, you know, been not recently, but through that path have, you know, dealt with self-harm in different ways, you know, cutting, which I see a lot in fans. Um, and I kind of can relate to that. Um, you know, abusing drugs or alcohol, which I kind of go through spurts in my life, which is crazy because I think you don't really even know me drinking a lot. So, no. um, you know, some people, there's a core group of people that have probably toured with me during times that are like, wow, she's great. She's so wild. And, but that's not me. It's yeah. just me and how I cope with it. And now with this ADHD diagnosis, I start to see, oh shit, like maybe I was self-medicating through these times because of XX and X. And it sort of just all come together and made me realize I need to take better care of myself. So, um, I just want to tell people like as much as I can about this, because I think it's important seeing, like I said, people who are, um, you know, cutting themselves or people who are too scared to talk to other people at shows. I, you know, had anxiety so bad. I couldn't even go to the house really. Um, you know, my obsessions and like compulsions were so bad that I would have to do something or I couldn't do something else. Um, so it's really crazy to see how far I've come through therapy, through not going to therapy, through taking medicine. Um, and now just like self-realization that, a lot of people deal with these things and Absolutely. are highly functional in yeah. the touring industry, especially mm -hmm. it's just crazy. So I'm, I just want people to know that they're not alone. Um, and that things like this happen and that you can overcome them and definitely use what people think might be a disability or a mental, you know, imbalance, um, to your benefit. And, you know, I love to put forth all of my effort and that's part of my problem as well. Yeah. <laughs> like, being a perfectionist, but, um, I'm trying to use all of those, um, I guess things that have happened to my own benefit in my life. Well, one, thank you for even being mm -hmm. willing to talk. Cause I feel like so many people aren't, that's mm -hmm. a, a very personal, personal thing. Yeah. And I would just say the same for anybody that's listening that is a fan mm -hmm. of this. Like you're not alone. Mm -hmm. I think Absolutely. we, we touched on it a little bit last year for this month's podcast we talked to johnny boucher who runs hope for the day and so like that whole um there's a, there's a lot just just to kind of mention that just in that there's a lot of great resources but yep. you just said it best like hey if you're at a show mm -hmm. doesn't matter the artist look around try mm -hmm. to say hi to people like you don't know your interests mm -hmm. are the same you're both you're all there to see name mm -hmm. an artist you know yep. and maybe that person's going through something similar but we, mm -hmm. uh, for me like with mental health issues even just there's some health issues that people, yeah. you can't see it. Yeah. You have to talk to the person mm -hmm. and they might describe it and you go, 
wow, I didn't know you were dealing with that. Exactly, yeah. But that person next to you could be dealing, going through the same thing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the, the greatest artists of their generations eventually find a way to have some kind of um, way to communicate that back to mm-hmm. the fans. Like I feel like a good example, because you've worked for him, is somebody like a Justin Bieber, mm-hmm. who is now openly talking about these things yep. that have plagued him. And that you look at a life like someone like him has had and you go, mm-hmm. what does that kid have to complain about? But then you go, oh yeah, he's an adult now yes. and he's now processing a decade mm-hmm. of insane stuff mm-hmm. that he didn't have time to process when he was a kid and reflect on it. And my take on him more recently mm-hmm. has just been like, hey, um, yeah, when you were 19, you probably did some really stupid stuff yes. and there wasn't a camera or TMZ no. or uh, paparazzi. Unlimited money. <laughs> you, right. But, <laughs> you know? but where there weren't all these mm-hmm. people chasing you, you yep. definitely did something stupid in college and there wasn't a camera there to yes. capture it. So exactly. like, uh, we can give him some grace. And now it sounds like he's gone like, yeah, I'd like some, but I'm going to give some back. Mm-hmm. And I think everybody in this world deserves a redeeming moment Mm -hmm. and it's you know so thank you for speaking on it and i'm just saying so like anybody you might be a fan out there and that artist is going through Mm -hmm. the same thing you are and i know that's probably why you're there but also maybe the person next to you is so say hi and you know get out Mm -hmm. of your comfort zone as hard as it may be i think that's what andrea is encouraging here but i'd also say our dear friend Lindsay Mm -hmm. brought up on her episode how like as touring professionals we need to do that to our peers too because we just don't you don't know what that person next to you is going through Mm -hmm. and they could be the most normally kind of calm and put together person in that day a day in that life of them you're like why are you something's off so i guess what i'm encouraging again in 2020 is the same like talk to people reach Mm -hmm. out and 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 then also taking that step of um finding help whatever your help Mm -hmm. needs to be whether it's therapy or um some kind of professional because we all want to hear your stories and maybe help you but we also can't take on your burden Mm -hmm. and i think it's important to say if it's a time in your life where everything is overcoming you mm -hmm. it's really important for you to seek professional help and not just the help of a friend yes um that's great to have friends but you know like me when i was younger it got to the point where i didn't understand that and how my brain worked um and it blew up and I could have died. Um, and you know, that's severe in itself. And so don't get to that point. Definitely don't wait. If you are noticing, you know, signs or symptoms of something that's overtaking your life and you, it's, uh, it's a bigger issue than just, Oh, it's an inconvenience. Then definitely seek professional help. Um, it's out there. I mean, I know I feel very fortunate to be able to just go to whoever I want essentially and allocate X amount of dollars to go to a professional. Um, you know, the healthcare system in general is, is kind of messed up. Yeah, let's touch on that because um, you mm-hmm. mentioned that in in our early chat about mm-hmm. just having you on. You mentioned that, and I think that's a, a challenge. Yeah. in our in America mm-hmm. at least for those of you that are listening to this outside of America. I know it some is. of you have a better <laughs> healthcare system than we have. Ours is not mm-hmm. great here. So, no. um, yeah, I mean, even just I went back to the psychiatrist that I've been seeing recently because mm-hmm. I had previously been to her. Um, she doesn't take insurance. Um, which a lot of people don't, um, that, for the I, mental health world. Sure, yeah. And that just sucks. I mean, it sucks. Um, if you do have insurance, that sucks for you. If you don't have insurance, it really is just the same all around. And I think, you know, doing whatever you can to find that help, it's out there. There's mm-hmm. different organizations that exist that can help you. Um, if you can't afford it, 
definitely don't stop it. It's just expensive and I I can't pay for it. Or maybe I feel weak and I don't want to do it. Do it. Don't, you know, get involved in things that are going to be a bigger issue. You want to help yourself live your best life. And it's super important. And I'll I'll just say for any of the touring professionals or folks Mm -hmm. that are mildly interested in this, I appreciate you, but also resources like Music Cares. They're great. You know, like we, we've both had some kind of interaction Mm -hmm. with them. I, until I got out of the Warped Tour world, did not realize like they're tied to the Grammy Foundation and that there's like really millions of dollars Mm -hmm. coming in of support from all over the music industry. It wasn't just like Mm -hmm. Kevin Lyman trying to help them, which is what I always thought it was. Yeah, me too, kind of. Until I like (laughs) exited that bubble and I went, oh no, yeah, you can call on them and they have plenty of resources to try and help you. So if anybody's listening like and really feels like they don't have the means Mm -hmm. personally, like I I feel like we definitely have mutual Mm -hmm. friends who have used them for various things across the health spectrum. I've used them when I broke my arm. Yeah. So I worked for a nonprofit and I broke my arm, arm wrestling, don't do it. Um, And, you know, I, at the time was, you know, transitioning to a full-time job for a nonprofit. Um, I had insurance through the nonprofit, but even with that, it was going to be $7,000 for my surgery and everything. And I didn't have that much money to pay for it. And they actually... um, you know, I went through them and they ended up, you know, giving me, helping me a little bit. Yeah. And I just, I, I think that's great. And anything's you know, that's, better than nothing. Uh, uh, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I can't say enough good things about them, so. And I'll just say from a, like a mental health standpoint, if you go back to last year's episode and listen to what Johnny had to say and also just reach out to them, they're, that is what they are there mm-hmm. for. They're, they have such an amazing wealth of people to help you with sort of the spectrum of mental health issues Mm -hmm. and and or find you a resource in your area Mm -hmm. so I would suggest that because it was it was great and I'm again just glad to have somebody like Andrea that that wants to talk about it again this year because I feel like this is going to be a thing Mm -hmm. because the industry that we exist in to kind of roll back into that is it's a taxing it is yes job to have for your mental capacity it really is Mm -hmm. it's it's there's so many moving parts in a day. And, you know, I think people struggle with this across the world, no matter what mm-hmm. they do and what kind of life scenario they're in. But changing your location, the scenario, and traveling with a group of people through life for mm-hmm. months at a time, it, it's, it's a, your brain goes into a different place. And let me ask you this, though. When you started to tour your level of sort of OCD, mm-hmm. was there still some, something where <laughs> yes. did you, was that a bigger thing for you to overcome in, in sort of getting into a group of people and traveling with an assortment of people mm-hmm. and um, trying to communicate with them? I think so. I mean, it's a forever struggle for me. Um, when I first started, it's, oh my God, I feel so old. It's, you know, 15 <laughs> years ago. I think um, where now with my ADHD diagnosis, I feel like some things that I was good at, like being a perfectionist, you know, hyper-focusing on things sort of took a front seat to my OCD symptoms on tour because I didn't have enough downtime. Mm -hmm. Um, Sort of like what you were saying, it's crazy to tour. I feel like a lot of people can kind of push back, you know, what really affects them um, because it's such a fast-moving business yeah. and there's such high stress. So I think the, the anxiety and the ADHD really came to the forefront there and the OCD, like, you know, cleanliness, um, symmetry and things like that sort of took a backseat when I got more busy or busier on tour. Um, so I think it was harder for me to be able to, um, focus and not 
you know, not be able to go to sleep because my emails weren't right or something wasn't right. You know, I'd rather stay up all night and and make something perfect than Mm -hmm. to get eight hours of sleep or seven hours of sleep or four on tour or whatever you can get um, (laughs) because that's just me. And so I think those really came out. And so I think that that was harder to kind of manage and I still deal with that on tour versus my OCD symptoms. I will just start arranging things on the bus and people will be like, what are you doing? And I'm Mm -hmm. like, oh no, nothing, never mind. So in my mind, I also feel that way sometimes. Mm -hmm. So when I'm on tour and there's a task, Mm -hmm. I'm great. Yes. Like if you give me a list of like, if I have Mm -hmm. a reason to wake up, if I have a million things to do, I'm good at tasks. Mm -hmm. Sometimes when things get a little like muddy, convoluted, Mm -hmm. that's when I just, my brain doesn't work the same. But if you're just like, here's these things in a day that need to be accomplished. I'm And that's why I'm like uh, Mm -hmm. talking more just in the last hour of life. I'm like... Yeah. But but is it even worth it to dig into that further, like an, an ADHD sort of um, testing? Yeah. Or do do we think at this point, or mm-hmm. do we just go, this is who we are? You know, because I'm not going to take meds for it. Like I don't. Yeah, I, mean, I, don't I just think you... personally, for me, I wouldn't tell anyone what to do. But I think, I mean, you can be highly functional, and mm-hmm. you know, I can be a perfectionist, and I can be hyper focused on a task for hours at a time. Um, but to the point where it's not getting healthy, that's when I wanted to figure out why this is happening. Sure. I think everyone should talk to somebody, counselor, therapist, psychologist, psychiatrist, psychiatrist, if you want to see if there's something that you want to maybe get medication for, or you want to go and get a diagnosis and stuff like that. You can go and, you know, seek out a life coach or a counselor or just a group of people. If you, if you're not sure, um, and just say, Hey, I've been having these feelings. Like, do you also have that? I think everyone wants to relate to somebody. And that's why I wanted to do this is because, um, you know, talking with people on tour Mm -hmm. like yourself or, you know, people that I tour with, it's definitely touring makes whatever is going on in your brain. I feel like feel, like you're supposed to be there. It kind of makes you highly functional in those crazy environments. I'm not sure why. Mm -hmm. Maybe the dopamine levels, you know, maybe everything that's at stake as far as finishing tasks and just the busyness. Um, And then when I come home, I notice, oh man, I'm having all of these things again. I usually have panic attacks coming home right away. I can't really go out and do a lot of things for like a week. Um, And a lot of people, that happens to a lot of people that I talk to on tour. So I I think it would normally be considered like a post-tour depression Mm -hmm. type thing, but it's just more of a come down too, because that's not Mm -hmm. depression. That's Mm -hmm. just the thing. So there's been so much side noise Mm -hmm. in the months you've been away. Now there's, it's quiet. Mm Yeah. Because I find myself in this room that we're in and I'm, you're contemplating things and then you're over contemplating Mm -hmm. things that don't need any more thought, but you're Mm -hmm. just stuck in them, stuck in that thought or moment or. Yeah. For me, that's what happens. I think for different um, people, it's manifested in a bunch of different ways, but ultimately I say it's like all and then nothing, which is terrible because I don't think that my home life, my real life, um, what really matters in my life is nothing. That's a terrible way to look at it, but you know, it's going from extremes to like complete calm. And that for me is terrible. Um, you know, and a lot of people in with maybe other disorders or imbalances, or maybe they just have these feelings because it is very busy and then it's slow, come home and they need something to boost that adrenaline. They want to, you know, go seek whether it's good or bad behaviors. They want to, you know, you abuse drugs or they want to go and, you know, partake in all these different things. Um, or maybe they just want to go and they want to meditate and, you know, be calm and, you know, have a free mind. Um, but I think a lot of people on tour suffer from the same thing, or at least can relate Mm -hmm. to, um, somewhat going from such an extremes you know and I I do think that's a thing and um especially people who have you know feel like it's 
it's becoming an issue in their life. Um, and I just, I just hope that people who do feel that way would go seek help from somebody or at least talk to somebody. Yeah. Um, and, and in that case, you can, that I think is mm-hmm. worth starting to maybe a relatable friend and yes. then going, Hey, like yes. maybe there, there's somebody yep. that you should seek out professionally mm-hmm. where you are. And, um, I know for me, since I moved to Nashville, that was sort of one of the first things I, when I felt that way mm-hmm. and I, I wasn't on the road, I'd mm-hmm. kind of taken a break from it, but um, seeking out some kind of therapist mm-hmm. and just springboard of a person. Yeah. You know, I, I wasn't necessarily having those like complete watershed moments mm-hmm. in every session, but it's an unbiased yes, person exactly. to kind of put your your thoughts mm-hmm. on instead of weighing your friends down, which I did yes. that. And yeah, I, me too. <laughs> I've apologized to a lot of them and also tried to like refill my karma points mm-hmm. back and yes. and also take on things from them. Mm-hmm. But um, I think unbiased opinion and, uh, you know, trained opinion mm-hmm. also, whether, you know, their life coach or, you know, psychiatrist, extremely different, um, I guess just levels of, you know, seeking therapy, but it's just important. Well, Somebody else other but, than yeah, your but friends. Any, any of those mm-hmm. folks are trained mm-hmm. in coping mechanisms yeah. and, or method there's mm-hmm. methodology you think you yeah. might be able to figure it out yourself but we're not trained. i, I am not <laughs> i talk not to myself in my head all the time about things oh this is why i'm doing something and mm-hmm. then i you know go to the psychiatrist and i'm like wow my whole life makes sudden sense <laughs> you know just having that outside trained medical opinion of mm-hmm. why i'm doing something can help me you know function on a higher level so and again i know we touched on it mm-hmm. a few minutes ago just about the cost and it is yeah. and it's and you're but you're paying for that person's knowledge yes, and yeah. unbiased mm-hmm. opinions and i would even suggest i know for me here um the person i was seeing mm-hmm. she said look i do have a sliding scale that whole you know, like I, we allow for X amount and I'm over those, but she still said, all right, what can you, this is, this is my rate. Mm -hmm. Can you do this? Mm -hmm. And it was, it it wasn't like half, but it was significantly less than Mm -hmm. her rate. And cause she saw, I think, I don't think she see, she had been seeing too many clients in our field and she knew, you know, I, I wasn't trying to say like I'm broke cause I wasn't broke, but Mm -hmm. I was like, that's still a lot of money. You're like normal rate. And I think she saw that she could help and, you know, um, maybe knew I wasn't like so far gone Mm -hmm. in a total sense that it would just be sort of like finding a rhythm and Mm -hmm. stuff. And, and she was able to offer me somewhat of a, so it's like worth a conversation, especially when there's no insurance involved, Mm -hmm. that person's just, that's their money, you know, like there's not a, they don't have to dig through another layer. Mm -hmm. And I think that maybe people are more willing to, especially mental health related things. Like I think a broken arm's a broken arm and it costs what it costs, but you know, for our mental mm-hmm. health, I think people are are willing to kind of, I think it's worth a conversation. So if mm-hmm. you find somebody you like, if you're seeking help out there, and I think Andrea and I are both mm-hmm. saying, like, if you feel any of these things, like, maybe do a deeper dive on yourself, but have that conversation. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's, it's a, a, like a negative thing to try no. to ask, because they know you're seeking help, mm-hmm. and then, you know, and people... We can afford what we can afford yeah. in our kind of system of the way the Americas yeah. work with it. So, um, I feel like it's wild to think, and I'm guilty of this, and this is maybe why I'm here also, is <laughs> to allocate funds to go see somebody to you know help my mental well-being and make sure that I don't have another situation like I did when I was younger. Um, I could go to Sephora and spend you know three hundred dollars, <laughs> but then I'm like, ooh, that's a lot of money. But it's my 
life and my mind and my body and, you know, investing in, if you can, I'm not saying everyone's in the same situation. Um, but for me, you know, maybe I don't need to go to Sephora and spend $300 on makeup. Like what is that actually doing for me in my life? I don't need it. I need to Does that feel, help you mentally sometimes? You know, it enriches <laughs> my life in. through creativity, Evan. Don't get at <laughs> Sorry me. Sorry to chime in. But like, but yeah, does it? But you're absolutely right. Yeah. And I think we're all guilty. Yes. I'm guilty too. Yeah. And, um, you know, like I could not, I could not drink a coffee for a couple of days mm-hmm. and go have a mental yeah. health session. Mm-hmm. And, but it's, it's, we're all still, we also have free will. We're still able to choose. Yep. And I think it's doing whatever helps you cope. And I think we all probably have terrible coping mechanisms yes. that we're, we, we think we, we can we take care of ourselves coping most of the time and then we're wrong. <laughs> we need some, some people need something else, me included. So. I know I will just say too, um, as much as this is a podcast about music mm. and touring, et cetera, I, I have a few thoughts on if anybody is sort of struggling with any of this, I find myself like I'll have been listening to music and driving mm-hmm. and it probably is the wrong music. Mm. And that really can change your mental state. It's, it sounds so silly, but like sad songs are sad. Yeah, for a they reason. are. So finding a neutral place to go with Mm -hmm. that or um maybe listening to some comedy Mm -hmm. it sounds so silly but it can definitely be a a game changer Mm -hmm. and i would just say at the top of my list of things of 2020 like in terms of goals or things that i'd like to achieve are just trying to be more open in communication Mm -hmm. i think our whole society we're stuck behind a window of a computer and a phone or whether it's relationships or friendships or whatever but it's just the more you're able to communicate and especially in these Mm -hmm. these times where you might need some help and it's hard if you push yourself to like communicate in whatever capacity Mm -hmm. that is i think it's great but for me it's like i'm thinking of it from like an emotional relationship standpoint too just communication is key i know that it's cliche and it sounds awful to say i just said it out loud (laughs) but um i think definitely also in um the line of work andrea and i are in like that's the struggle Mm -hmm. if people aren't communicating things whatever it's like i need help Physically, I can't push this thing mm-hmm. down the hallway. Hey, I also need help mentally. I'm yeah. having a day. Yeah. The more open you can try to be to these things, I think mm-hmm. your your world changes. Mm-hmm. And I know it's hard. I've I'm I'm right there with everybody that might be struggling with that. But the minute you dig down and say something, I think you're going to realize so many people would come to your aid. Yes, I and think it, so and too. I struggle with that constantly. Mm-hmm. So. I, I think I agree with that. I mean, I think you're never going to know what somebody else is feeling until they're saying the reason I'm acting like this is because of this. Yep. And maybe not everyone feels comfortable with that. I think I'm always on tour, you know, probably saying too much about my life. I'm very inappropriate. I say that for it a lot. Um, you know, I just would rather say everything than nothing. And I feel like that's a part of my anxiety too. But through that, I've kind of people have confided in me, um, you know, maybe about what they're feeling. Um, and I just, you know, think that, by doing that, you can kind of get a better understanding of people and how to interact with them, which I think technology also does not help you with. Um, you don't talk to people anymore. You text them. I'm guilty of that too. You do rarely call people. I mean, if you're like my mom, you call them, but you know, most people just text and you know don't want to communicate their feelings or what they're going through to people. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that's very, you know, people should be doing that more. 
I, I really enjoy when people confide in me something that's personal about them um, because they feel comfortable that I've shared something with them. So Yeah, and I think that's a great um, door, like mm-hmm. a great door to open is if they, they're coming to you for a reason because they felt like they heard you say mm-hmm. something. And I don't know, I... I, I just I, I, like the the older I get and the more that I start to like think about just humanity and mm-hmm. us as humans, it's like, I don't want to ever have to eat these words, but <laughs> I just want us to be able to communicate things better to each other and care for each other. Mm-hmm. And we're all not great at anything. And mm-hmm. the more we get sucked into TV and phones and technology and like, I'm, I'm guilty. I'm not yeah, even trying too. to be a, too, like yeah. a, a martyr here no, I'm yeah. not at all, but um, I think the the more times we're able to step away from those things mm-hmm. and like sit and have a dinner, and yeah. I know we've done that as yeah. friends, and we'll see. And I think that's important in life, mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter the age you're at or how much money you have. Like you can sit and be with mm-hmm. people that you care about and communicate, and not stare at your phone for an hour. Start with an hour. Yeah, I know. start with thirty minutes. Whatever. It's super hard, but do it. <laughs> yeah. Because um, I also know in the line of work that we're we're in, like it's constant now. Mm-hmm. It's constant, and it is. I. I trying to be better with yeah. that and i think that can lead to better mental clarity as well and i think so um yeah i i don't i don't know i'm just that's that's like 2020 things for me is yeah. just um is part of that i'm gonna ask a couple questions okay. that we're gonna we can move into, <laughs> we can move back into fun <laughs> okay, stuff because oh, and, no. and and if you had any fun stories to add okay. that that aren't necessarily okay. as sincere and serious yes. but i love that we this is really why Mm -hmm. I wanted to have this be a medium for people in our industry Mm -hmm. to sort of talk to anybody that's listening about Mm -hmm. like it's it can be funny and people can tell stories and it can be informative and people can talk about you know how they reached this level of uh, their touring but from a musician standpoint or a crew or you know anybody that's working in our industry but like I also think like for sure at least every May I'd like there to be some kind of like outreach Mm -hmm. to because it's I think the biggest taxing thing on what we all do for a living. Um, but the fun stuff is, <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> what is your number one touring essentials? Like when you travel oh. and, and now since we just talked about it, technology is sort of excluded phone, mm-hmm. computer, sort of the, the things you definitely need to like make your day happen from a work sense. I feel like but I like, heard this on the other podcast mm-hmm. too. So I don't want to be um, redundant in saying, I, I feel like it's kind of changed sort of, Mm-hmm. But I mean, you can never go wrong with a baby wipe. I hate to say that it's, like everyone yeah. says it. I mean, you never know if you're an amphitheater tour, you're definitely using baby wipes or you should be using baby wipes. <laughs> you know, um, luckily don't have to take a shoulder shower and I get hotel rooms and, mm-hmm. you know, I get, if I wanted to take a shower at the venue, great. Um, but yeah, I think for sure baby wipes is the number one. Um, I don't know that there's anything that I travel with specifically that can make or break my tour mm-hmm. um, outside of like girly personal things about like, oh, my my hair's curly. So I travel with like a microfiber cloth or a T-shirt instead of a towel. <laughs> is that you what you used to dry your hair? You know, See, that's a thing is. though. It's curly so girl I, things. I happily accept uh, yes. baby wipes, but also you can you elaborate know, more for all the ladies. Hair, that are you know, you don't want to use a towel because you're not supposed to if you have curly hair. Have like a little microfiber or like a cut T-shirt to dry it um, if you don't have a diffuser and you don't want to carry that around. Okay, so. wait, tell me more about this because oh, I'm now I'm intrigued because I have I don't have as curly yes. hair as you, but <laughs> should I not be using a towel? Um, it just kind of makes it more like 
frizzy, essentially. Okay. Um, and so microfiber is in the middle and then t-shirt's the best. So as I learn to love my curls, I'm learning like different tips and tricks through my stylist. So that is something that you can use if you don't want it to be um, frizzy and you don't want to diffuse it. I'm sure I can't assume that you don't diffuse your hair even. I don't know your no, schedule. I don't. I don't know what you're doing. Um, but towel. it's a little bit of a, you know, it's too much for me to take that around. Mm-hmm. So, oh um, yeah, it's the whole process. It's don't brush your hair, you know, put conditioner in it, put, you know, put your fingers through it to detangle this whole, this whole thing. Don't use heat other than a diffuser, essentially. No flat irons. You don't have to struggle with the long hair, so you don't. Yeah, I usually use <laughs> to my put hands it up anyway. at night. Yours is already mm, it's there. That's usually a mess. Yes. <laughs> um, so probably those. I mean, definitely baby wipes is my number one. Really, it's the OG. It, it is. It's, it's the number one. I, Everything else will find itself. You can always go to the store, and that's part of like the OCD ADHD struggle. Is like I can't leave without this. It's gonna ruin my life. There's an H and M. There's a Zara. Mm-hmm. There's a CVS around the world. Mm-hmm. You will never not be able to get what you need for free or to go out to the store eventually. Someone's right. gonna have something. Sure. Somebody let you borrow something. Relax. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to do in my life. Yeah. I'm there. <laughs> it's hard, but I'm there with you, you know. So definitely don't overpack like me. I'm trying. That, that's yes. been sort of my my goal of like I don't like to do a lot of laundry on the mm-hmm. road. I like to do it myself. Yeah. Um, I know there's people that are like that's wild. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or, or that's me. I like to have people, somebody else do it. You do like yes, that. you do, do like to send it yeah, out. I do. See, I like I to, things get ruined all the time, and I'm like, you know what? That's the price I pay. <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, I'm sure you're not taking no. I your wear like my and, thrifted defines. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. Black but t-shirts. No, and, I just there's something about like. I like to at least touch it. And put well, it in it's and also a sense out. of like I'm doing an activity that I would do at my house. I feel mm-hmm. like I like to clean my hotel room. That's weird. Um, maybe part of my OCD or whatever is going on in my brain, but it gives me like a calming feeling to wake up, make my bed, put things in order, mm-hmm. like put my towels up. If it doesn't need to be cleaned, I could just clean it up. I like to see things arranged and that's also probably what goes on in my brain, but it just, I'm doing tasks that I would do at home. Sure. And it just is like, oh, this is my new home. This is my mm -hmm. home for a day or two. Um, And I just like to see that. So I'm weird and I clean. I mean, psychologically, they say that if you make your bed every day, it like starts you in the right mental state. I've, I, I dated a girl years and years ago, um, but she would like make the bed, like we we went on vacation, she would like make the bed or, you know, like be like, we should clean up before. And I was just like, yeah. isn't that the house? And then, <laughs> yeah. But it makes you, but she, she has set me up for mm-hmm. just being a better human. Yeah. Like I try to be conscious of those things in hotels, but yeah, mm-hmm. I also like arrange and I also, yeah. I'm always like, oh, somebody might come, come like say, Hey, and I yeah. like, I walk in other people's rooms and You're I'm like, like you've been in here for 10 <laughs> minutes. How does it look yeah. like Taz, t- the yes. Tasmanian devils the come whole through here? Cases everywhere, and I just, I, so maybe I'm, I'm I've yes. got a little percentage of OCD in <laughs> yeah. me too. And I, and I've accepted that at 35 yes. now that there are things that I like straighten up, but, yeah. um, okay. Baby wipes. Yes. And then I'm going to, so microfiber, I guess, I mean, a t-shirt right. or a microfiber. If you're, if you have curly hair, you know what's yeah. up, hmm. you know, just living my life. Uh, and then the other big sort of question slash two questions are mm-hmm. if you had advice to give to yourself five and 10 years ago, and we've touched mm-hmm. on more mentally yeah. taxing things, but like even in general, so touring, like think about five years ago where mm-hmm. you were in your life and maybe what you were doing or who you were working for. And then definitely 10 is 10 is better mm-hmm. now. Cause I feel like 10 yeah. is like the starting point of a lot of our peers yeah. careers. Yeah. Um, like what would you say to yourself? It could be about anything. Just, I think one consistent thing, and I'm terrible at actually following this. Mm -hmm. Um, but one consistent thing I remember, especially from Warped Tour is 
I wanted to have a t-shirt that says, don't worry about what I'm doing because everybody always wants to be involved in people's business. Um, whether it's putting other females down, if you're a female and you know, you constantly see this comparison or people like, why did she get the job and I'm better than her? And people just putting females against each other in general. And then, you know, people just hating on other people for no reason because they want their self-worth. They feel like they're owed something for whatever reason they're doing it. I just don't worry about what I'm doing. And then also for me to not worry about what other people are doing also. Um, I think that I can, you know, tell that to myself all the time. And then there's times that I get bummed out that, you know, maybe I'm not in a place where I want to be in my career. Um, you know, maybe, you know, if I did something different, I could be here, but I think that that's just important to remember. I definitely would have told myself that because, you know, I don't want, especially five years ago, um, I wouldn't want what other people pushed on me to affect me. And I think it, sometimes it does because I take it into consideration and it just, kind of gets up there with the snow globe of ideas and it's just poison. So definitely don't worry about what I'm doing and don't worry about what other people are doing. hundred percent. I like the don't worry about what I'm yes. doing. Yeah. Cause other people are like, yeah. well, warp tour. Why is she breaking down early? Don't worry about what I'm doing. Cause I have to go do something else and I got it approved. Mm -hmm. Why are you worried about what I'm mm -hmm. doing? Do your own area. Why are you worried about it? Yeah. The classic, that's mm -hmm. the nicest way to stay, say to say, stay in your own yes, lane. Stay in your lane. <laughs> but it's hard. I think it's hard. It is. And I, I have been going to cycle classes mm -hmm. for like the, that's been my like new year's sort of thing. And that's like the biggest statement of the start of the, like, yeah, worry about you. Yeah. It's hard. And then, and, but I've that, at least mm -hmm. in that room, I've trained myself to like, nope, like I can do what I can do. Mm -hmm. Like there's a leaderboard, they'll show it a little bit, yeah. but it's like, and do I want to try to be on the better side of it? Mm -hmm. Sure. And when I see that I am, I'm like, I feel good that I'm like looking around the room being like, yeah. maybe I'm not as out of shape as I thought. Yeah. I was. So like, you know, there can be some mm -hmm. good in that. But yeah, I would, it's hard. Mm -hmm. I it it's is hard, hard. So I like that a yeah. lot. Um, yeah, that's my best advice. And then what about, um, I haven't asked everybody this, but I've been starting to think of like, what else can, what are, what's your like favorite day off activity? <laughs> well, I would love to tell you that it is adventuring and exploring. Like obviously our friends, Lindsay and Nick, mm -hmm. you know, live their life to the fullest. For me, I think and I'm learning, I'm a work in progress for learning how to have my own better mental health on the road. For me, literally getting an iced coffee or an iced latte and taking a bath and listening to musicals. People think that I'm, that's like the weirdest thing, especially, or, you know, I, during Halloween or, you know, during time, sometimes I'm making latex clown masks in my room. Mm -hmm. Super weird. Andrea's very into <laughs> horror horror in general but yes. like creating it and i love that so maybe but, it could be that and listening to musicals and people are like that sounds like a scene in a horror movie i'm like great yeah but i don't you just relax but that's reach that's that sounds yeah. recharged to me recharging and then if it's like an extended period of time getting the and this is where like the mental health comes into play okay i've recharged and now i need to get out of my own zone about the anxiety about going out of my hotel room i'm in a new place i don't feel comfortable um you know going out of that and meeting up with friends or just going out for a walk i hate going to the gym. Um, you know, I go through spurts of like going to the gym and, you know, doing strength training or doing this mm -hmm. and I just don't love it. My anxiety gets the best of me. Um, but just movement going and seeing things. And it's just really surprising how much better you feel after you do that. So I think for me, definitely recharge if it's like a specific period of time, relax, get away from people. Cause that's what I deal with all the time. I, th I think continuing on the, mm -hmm. the major kind of topic of this, this episode like yeah i'm mm -hmm. the same like i've just been around 50 people yes. for three straight days like i think the calm away mm -hmm. and people are like oh you're not going and doing and i'm like nope 
Yeah. Yep. And so I think that that's good for me. And then actually challenging myself to get out of that comfort zone and realizing that that's definitely part of my downfall too, is like isolation Mm -hmm. of people, because that's always where I want to draw back to from my childhood and, you know, my, my adolescent years. So I think do being in that situation where I'm challenged through anxiety. But um, so trying to find a balance of both. Right. Exactly. I think it's important to find a balance of both and figure out what works for me. Um, and then, you know, not go to the places where, you know, on tours where I was like trying to self-medicate without even knowing where I was like partying with all the partying people that are out there. Um, cause that's not me. So I think trying to maintain that steady balance and not going back to, I feel comfortable when I'm drinking alcohol cause it doesn't give me anxiety. Um, you know, and just getting out of control that way. So it's been a, it's been a work in progress. Do you have a favorite place for coffee? Cause I know you said right, right now, Andrea, um, I asked her if she wanted some coffee cause I feel like that's where I always start with all the guests and she's on, she's doing some kind of cleanse, no, yeah. <laughs> which is great. I mean, we're in, we're in January, we're recording this in January, yeah. so I think everybody's sort of resetting their Mm -hmm. year and I need to probably also. This is like such an underwhelming answer. I mean, I can't, I'm like so bad at remembering places. Like I'd have to look back at a picture where Mm -hmm. it's like tagged and be like, Mm -hmm. oh yeah, this awesome place at the airport, I think in like Sweden. Um, I think anywhere that's not Starbucks is my favorite. Um, so you're looking some, for something local to yes, support that. Definitely something yeah. local, but I will tell you, I do have a frequent buyer card at Starbucks and collect points because it's there. It's everywhere think, and it's unfortunate, but they've taken a lot of my money. I feel like everybody is always like, Oh, you're the coffee guy. What do you think about yeah, yeah, yeah. Starbucks? And I'm like, <laughs> it's it, whatever. I think it has its place yes. in, um, you're never going to, there's, maybe five Mm -hmm. airports in this country where you can find real coffee. So like it's just a necessity Mm -hmm. and it's still coffee at the end. It's still a better cup of coffee than our parents made or that's coming out of whatever that drip coffee maker is anywhere else in the airport. It's there. Yeah. And I, and and same, I I have, yeah. Earning points, Mm -hmm. getting free stuff. Sure. I was deep. I was deep into that for a while (laughs) before I like found a higher level of coffee. I know. Um, um, I'm for all caffeination. I love all caffeination. So mm. anything other than really a uh, Tennessee Dunkin' Donuts is terrible. Yeah. No, I mean, it's bad. I'm a new England, so they can kind of do it right. right so but what's your, but what's your, what's your beef with it? It's just it the, t- like every time I'd, I'd, I've had it before, it's mm-hmm. like burnt or just really like acidic or just, it doesn't taste the same as my new England dunks does. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's just a mental thing. I'm like, I shunned it here. I'm like, oh, that's disgusting. It could be both. Like, it, like Dunkin' Donuts is such a high standard of, of coffee. I think my, they're not New Englanders, but they're Northeasterners and mm-hmm. they're friends of mine in California. I think they figured out because the supply chain is different. So like the, the like coffee, actual coffee, like mm-hmm. where it's roasted, the supply chain to like the Southeast mm-hmm. isn't the same as Damn. the one in, in the New England or Northeastern area. So that could, you might be right. I mean, don't mess with New England's yeah. Dunkins because they'll get you. <laughs> I still have, did you see the, I mean, it's like a year now, but like the Casey Affleck, Yes, SNL. I did, and that sums up my whole life. Oh. <laughs> I was I was with friends recently <laughs> yes. that were that were born and raised up there too. And <laughs> I was with friends recently that yeah. were born and raised up there, and Love they were it. just like, no, but like they, you know, like sometimes Saturday Night Live, like 
they're off the mark. They're like, that so is the amazing. epitome of everyone that they grew up with. They're My like, mom so is the person who is chain smoking. And this makes her sound like a bad person. She's a good person. She's like smoking and she's blowing it out the door or the window. I'm like, I'm not smoking inside. You are though. You're still inside <laughs> the building or the house, or, you know, and she's much better. Like, but mm-hmm. growing up, that was a hundred percent her, you know, just trying to blow it out the door. Like she's not smoking inside. So I thought that was really funny. I love that skit. Oh, <laughs> it's very true. Um, well, I think we've covered so much yeah. today and I really appreciate you being open yeah, and you. honest and sharing and anybody again, that's listening out there that needs any kind of help. Mm-hmm. I, I will say, please reach out to me. I'm, mm-hmm. I might not be the best, but I definitely feel like I have enough resources. Again, uh, for those of you listening, music cares, especially people that work in our industry, like they're a re- great mm-hmm. resource kind of across the board, any type of, whether it be physical or mental well-being. If you're really struggling financially mm-hmm. or just in general, I think that it seems like it's not a hard process to engage them. And, yeah. yeah. Um, and then I'll always say, check out hope for the day. Mm-hmm. That's our, that's our good bud, John, um, who's doing great things in Chicago and beyond. Um, and then if people want to interact with Andrea, mm-hmm. is there a place they can find you? Yeah. I'm um, definitely, if you're seeking immediate help, please don't contact me. Oh yeah. Me no, we're not, we're not saying that us. at all. Yeah, um, but, but you know, if you're just interested in hearing more of my stories, I've, you know, a million stories that I could tell you of, you know, experiences, maybe somebody you've had or somebody else has had, um, reach out to me. I think Instagram's probably, unfortunately the easiest way. Um, and I guess my handle or whatever you'd call mm-hmm. it is just at Andrea, but it's spelled differently. Yeah, so spell it's it for everyone. A N D R I A underscore Goodrow G O O D R O W. So just my name. Um, and you can just you, DM me and message me if this has helped you at all, or you want to talk, or you think that you're similar, or this can be of an inspiration, especially if you're younger. And, you know, I mean, I would have never thought that if I didn't enjoy going out of the house and talking to people that I'd be on tour with Justin Timberlake, especially being like a boy band lover when I was younger, you know, so maybe if you, uh, seek this passion, you also could go out on tour and, you know, be super successful at, you know, what you do and whatever you choose to do. So. Well, great way to end cap it. Yeah. Andrea, thank you for the idea and yeah. reaching out. And yeah, thank you. Um, maybe we'll have you back. Maybe it can be like a great uh, follow-up with you and Lindsay, and it can oh, be I'd like a that. girl power episode because mm-hmm. I think that would be a, a great way to share more stories and kind of empower everybody. Mm-hmm. And um, But thank you. Yeah, thank you. And we'll see you next time. Okay, bye. Andrea, thank you so much for being so open and honest and sharing your story with the listeners. I really hope anybody out there that's struggling with any type of mental health issues, concerns, thoughts, etc., can find some clarity and calm and peace. If for some reason you're in a more critical state, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline 1-800-273-8255. For those of you looking for more calmer resources, please check out our friends at Hope for the Day. It's hftd.org. If you're not already, come follow us on Instagram at Notes from the Road Pod. And please, please, please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or Google Play. Notes from the Road is produced by Isaac Burkhart and Andrew Cook with music courtesy of the band Speakers. I'm your host, Evan Peary. And until next time, see ya.